Welcome to a Mall Life Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Dave, and I'm here with my trusty sidekick. This is Don. And we are excited to be back with you. I know for our trusted and loyal fans, we took a little bit of hiatus there, and uh, we'll just we'll just say I walked across the plains of the United States, and now I'm in a new location, but we're back uh, We're back to getting to, to our podcast and, and sharing fun mall stories from the, the lives and lives that we lived. In fact, uh, Don, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, uh, this week it was six years to the day that Walmart uh, had bought Jet, which was their online e-commerce foray, and I'm pretty sure it's six years to the day that it's still worth nothing. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's been a few missteps on on where things should go. You know, I I still look back at uh, you know what happened to Penny and and uh, Sears. You know that Sears fell from grace, and Penny's had such a great catalog business and delivery business, and somehow they never could turn it into an e-commerce built business. And yeah. you know Sears was the same way. So, who who knew? Who knew? But you know what? It's it's uh, it's good times because like all old things can become new, and new can become old. It it just rotates around. And we, I, I think it's sometimes it's about just inventing a more shiny wheel than it is a better wheel. So it's uh it's it's yeah. all comes around. But I'm excited today because we uh, we've got some uh, longtime connections uh, on with us today. Um, we're going to do another double double guest. Uh, we've got Jerry, and we've got the other Jerry. And so, and this is from, oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's great because uh, they, we worked, I worked with both of them at the same time and I'd call their mall and uh, ask to talk to Jerry and they'd say, which one? And I'd say the smart one. And then sometimes I was put on hold for 15 minutes while they tried to figure out which one to go to. So uh, <laughs> it wasn't as easy as what you'd think, but uh, they were a dynamic duo. And I tell you, they had, uh, some big properties with a, some distance between them, and uh, it was just a pleasure to work with both of them. So, uh, Dave, if you don't care, let's let it go ahead. And uh, there's there's the boy Jerry and the girl Jerry, and I know gender is not supposed to be men- mentioned now, but you know what what can we say? There is a difference between these two people, and um, one of them smart too. So um, we'll let the listeners figure Jerry, that out. <laughs> yeah. So if the smart one wants to speak up first, go ahead and say hi. So. Hi. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, Jerry. She thinks she is. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes. That's all it takes. <laughs> so, well, listen, uh, you guys have been, uh, you guys were a pleasure to work with and you guys took some huge challenges. And I tell you, it was always impressive how, um, you guys worked as a team and, you know, we've talked to people before that have been in the management role and the leasing role and, and marketing and some development and IT, but you know, what happens there at the property is usually, you know, uh, struck squarely on the shoulders of operations and, and property management. Uh, you know, these things don't run themselves, though everyone seems to be surprised when they find out there is a mall manager or an operations manager. And, you know, the first question they ask is, you know, what do you do? And uh, I got used to that because my bosses asked me that question quite a bit, too. What do you do? And that was a little <laughs> little troubling because they should know what I was doing. But uh, these two have uh, taken on some some big properties and have quite a history in the in the industry. So, Jerry Jones, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the into the I wonderful can. world of shopping centers? <laughs> the most interesting world. Yeah. yeah, I got actually I spent three years out of college with a uh, junior department store out of St. Louis. And uh, I was in a property and they moved me around three times. And I ended up back in St. Louis in a suburb and made apartment stores, of course, had their own shopping center division called Made Center. You know, they had and uh, they were building a center 
walking distance from my apartment and asked if I'd be interested in interviewing. I did. And I accepted a job. And instead of sending me, instead of having me start at the center by my house, I had to drive 50 miles to another center and spent the 18 years or 18 months doing that. And I've been in the industry 36 years and I've been with seven developers, you know, May, General Growth, JMB, Wilder, Watson, Butler Enterprises, and now Maceridge. I've been in management of 11 centers and a regional operations manager in California uh, associated with 11 properties. Wow. So it's been an in, in, interesting, you know, 36 years. Um, I got into the field because as in college, I was before college growing up, I was not a mall rat. There was never a mile. The closest mile was an hour and a half, a mall. And so in college, there was a mall being built by me and I would go and talk to the property management stuff and kind of got interested in it. And so I was very excited to get into it. And I look at it as each day is different. You can't plan your day. And uh, that's kind of why I like it. It's ever changing and, you know, you can't plan it. Yep. Well, you, you've also had some, uh, quite a bit of exp experience in development and, and redevelopment. I think more than I did when, uh, and I've had some, but uh, when we first started talking to you about bringing you over, uh, you were knee deep in a redevelopment, I believe. And, and, um, there, there's a whole lot you learned during that. Oh yeah. I spent, uh, I've been in, out of my moves. I've been moved eight, eight times and I've lived twice in Florida the last one was in Gainesville prior to moving here, and I spent 19 years there with a family. And uh, when I got there, we had a million square feet. And at, when I left, we were developing almost 3 million square feet. I was involved wow. with the development, construction, leasing, you know, uh, overseeing the leasing, involving with the different vendors that entail that city zoning and everything so it was 200 roughly 260 acres we were redeveloping wow wow that's that's impressive hey jerry miles uh, tell us a little bit about you and how you how you got here um well i started with um simon back in um 99 um with a uh, varsity contractors which is a tfs provider for simon and i started at both north park and south park and um, Jim Worley, which used to be the property manager at North Park, decided to take a district manager position, position with Varsity and then hired me to be a team with him. And we managed 13 malls um, at the time of me coming on in 1999, which North Park and South Park were um, part of that. And we traveled around and we did a lot of um, construction. Um, that's where I came in mostly into play. Um, we did a lot of uh, in-house construction. We did off-site construction. And it was just part of the me being in the malls, but also having a construction team that came in and we kind of just started growing the TFS and it just kept growing. And that's where we became um, a lot of contacts of, you know, in the retail industry. And um, that's where I started. And I, I left for a few years and worked for a contractor, but came back, back to North Park and South Park in 2016. And I am still there with Mace Rich. 
Oh, well, thank you for coming back. And for those who don't know, because we find there's people listening that have had, uh, you know, a long history and they know exactly what TFS means and others that may be new in the industry, that TFS isn't really a term now that we use uh, too much, or at least we didn't when I retired. I can't imagine it's made a big comeback since then. But what was TFS? Total Facility Services. We did, um, back in those days, we did um, maintenance, construction, and uh, housekeeping. So all of the, it's all separate now and they're all different contractors. But back in those days, um, we were all one team under varsity and we just, we controlled everything. Total facility services, meaning the from the janitorial to the whole build out construction of new retail spaces. So it, we just, it was everything. Everything involved in the shopping center as far as maintaining it and, you know, not being, not the property management part, but everything else. We've, uh, Dave and I have talked or joked while we've been doing this before that this is be a great uh, podcast to listen to if you were considering coming into the industry because there's so many aspects of this that people don't understand. And, you know, some things are a little more front and center and uh, a little more visible, but housekeeping and maintenance, uh, it, if it's done properly, no one notices it. <laughs> I mean, it just means they're doing their job. You know, things are being kept up. It's when things don't go right that everybody notices that something's wrong or, you know, that it's been a problem. And it's uh, there's a lot of unsung heroes there of people who have gone above and beyond. And just to lead a team that deals with maintenance and housekeeping and, and construction, uh, I'm sure we can probably hit on some stories in a little while of um, – you know, some construction woes, some of our own doing. Sometimes it's uh, watching what other people do or how they do it. But it is a very complex uh, process. And I'm sure Jerry can talk to this too. And, and David, uh, and when you're having to build with an ongoing business going on around you, mm -hmm. it's not an easy, it's not an easy task. Uh, I was just made aware of a story here in the Phoenix area where I a restaurant was opening and they thought the um, mall was going to provide the switch gear to connect them to the power grid. And the contract clearly said that that was provided by the construction contractor. So they got ready to open and realized they didn't have the uh, switch gear, which with COVID and everything now, it's going to take almost two years. I think they said 18 months to get it built. And so now they have a gener two generators parked out there. Oh, man. And a fuel truck. <laughs> so uh, they're open with, oh, and I can only man. imagine what that must be costing them to do it. Wow. So, you know, to get the timing right on all this, to make, to, to get it done on time, it doesn't just happen. And uh, there's got to be a lot of people looking and a lot of people, you know, uh, keeping track of things. And, um, you know, when the balls drop, sometimes those disasters can be very, very costly. I got to believe this is a couple hundred thousand dollar expense that uh, they're going to bear now. You know for this temporary power for 18 months and uh it, it just it isn't fun well at least no, that i mean i know go ahead jerry go ahead dave oh i know jerry's experienced it uh, you know because of covid where we've had some co contractors that come in and well cookie company that'd be ideal one they they delays bank of america the southridge is delayed three or four months now because of material yeah yeah, lead times have gotten crazy, and and just uh, you, you know, I, I have a pet peeve now though, and it's that anytime you have bad service 
or things aren't going right, they blame COVID. And, and you know, maybe that's true half the time, but the other half the time, it's just poor management. And, mm-hmm. and I know you guys, uh, I mean, you, you lived through COVID, you kept the malls open, and I'm not sure you ever closed. Uh, I mean, they were open at least to some level. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's easier to operate. It's easier to run a fully operational, well-functioning mall than one where you've got, you know, a uh, hundred tenants going different ways because of COVID. And, and, you know, you're, you're trying to manage expectations and it, it's, it's been a tough time. I have to believe, uh, it's, it's been, and, and I know David went through this too. It's gotta be one of the more frustrating times to, to have been in mall management, but, uh, luckily, we don't sit here and talk about most of the things that went wrong. We try to find the stories that were sort of funny or, uh, or, or sad, but sad with maybe a little twinge of humor in it. Yeah. I just want to say one thing, too, before uh, we move on. Um, uh, I think Jerry was probably Jerry Miles was probably one of the pioneers in, um, in uh, the, the role that she had. And I will tell you that uh, when I worked with you, too, it amazed me the shoestring budget that you guys got things done with and you got it done well. And, uh, to be able to keep all those, those, uh, keep the properties going. And Jerry had, when she was doing, I think she said 11 properties or 12 properties. I can only imagine how many employees that was and what a heartache and and headache it must've been sometimes keeping that going. And as such, I know Jerry has been uh, rewarded and and recognized for those efforts. And, uh, you know, I just think it's great that she's gotten the notice that she should for it. not taking anything away from you, Jerry, but no, she deserves uh, it. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ah, it's nice to know nothing has changed since I've left really. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing. You would think you would think one of you would have gotten smarter. I don't know which one, but you think one of you would, but no, that's, uh, that's, that it's just impressive because, you know, we, we see now. Uh, labor shortages and how hard it is to keep people going. And, you know, <laughs> I've had people just tell me that, you know, they, they hire someone and they have another job before their background check gets done, even if it's only a two or three day check or they come and work the first day and just decide, no, nah, and they <laughs> and they don't come back. And unfortunately, if the mall's open, uh, you guys can't live with that as being the right answer. Uh, I know some of you have have driven snow plows and done whatever you had to, to get things done just because, um, you know, it, it's got to get done. And we've all stepped up and done things before that, uh, maybe wasn't in our job description, but it sure wasn't the intent of our job. Well, got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. <laughs> hey, uh, Miss Jerry, would you, uh, share with us a couple, I- I'd love to know, like, what was some of the, what was either some of the fun or the crazy that you had to deal with, uh, when you were, when you were running the region of, of centers, like what was just, I'd love to know just kind of like what your experience was there. Well, it's, I mean, we, I traveled, you know, all over the country with varsity and different shopping centers, different, um, different people, a lot of different, um, areas. Uh, one of my, most difficult areas. I was challenged to go to um, the mall in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which off the top of my head, I cannot remember the name of the center, but it's a, it was a Simon Mall back then, which probably till this day it still is. Um, and there was a, the whole entire staff was um, non-English speaking. And they sent me there to uh, communicate 
with the staff. And uh, <laughs> it was it was very difficult, very challenging for me um, at first. But um, I worked uh, like second and third shift. There was a lot of problems and I was just trying to go and help and sort things out. And this was the maintenance and the housekeeping um, employees. And uh, so I finally was able to communicate uh, the best I could and uh, ended up coming across um, one individual that could help me um, relay my communications to the employees to try to get things together and on track. Um, I would say that that's one of my most um, challenging experiences um, throughout my career traveling. Um, many more, I'm sure, but off the top of my head, I cannot think of any more. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, that's great. Well, I mean, so yeah. how's your Spanish now? Yeah. Uh, still not good. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, uh, on one of the earlier podcasts, and I've told this before, and I think I probably told you this, Miss Jerry, the, um, uh, I had a mall and varsity was providing the service there. And for some reason, a whole shift did not show up. And I got a call from security saying there was no one there. No one in the food court, no one on the floors, no one doing the bathrooms. So I said, uh, I will go down. And I told him I'd be right there. And I called varsity. And luckily, you weren't my regional because we've never, I don't think I've ever had any arguments. And I explained to him that uh, no one was there. I was going to go down and I was going to work uh, until they got enough staff down there to to uh, take care of the situation. So I went down and I was busting tables. I was cleaning bathrooms and the the ball tenants would see me and they were all saying things like, oh, nice to see that you finally have a job that you're capable of doing. And, you know, other, other encouragement they gave me. And I stayed down there till there was a whole crew in there. And trust me, there was a whole crew in about three or four hours. But uh, I sent them a bill for uh, the time I worked and they paid me because uh, there was really no, there was no way out of that one. It was just a, it was just a bad thing all the way around. But uh, that was only a one-time experience, and we we've had some had some great experiences with them as well. You know, um, it, it's amazing. So I said earlier, when it's done right, no one notices it, but when it's done wrong, you notice it immediately, and that can change in a matter of fifteen minutes. Because as we know, um, if anyone's ever had to clean public restrooms, uh, that can be a that can be a challenge at times, and as as uh, even now, there seems to be a little even less of respect for people and property. And, and uh, you know, you have these people there in the front lines. It's a tough job. Yeah. Speaking of cleaning, yeah. hey, uh, hey, uh, Mr. Jerry, uh, what, uh, <laughs> you know what, you know, keep sometimes keeping glass clean is a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> I, I wanted to hear, uh, you had shared a, a possibility of a story about keeping glass clean. And I wondered if you'd share that with us. Yeah. Uh, when I was in, I actually got moved to California um, to be in a position of a regional operations person, not to the knowledge of Jerry, she Jerry, <laughs> but um, to basically assist the regional. And uh, I was in uh, Los Angeles at a property and the manager and I were, it was before the mall opened, we were in the mall walking around and we were in the food court area. And we're looking up at the skylights. And all of a sudden, we see somebody's bare cheeks on the skylights. They had their face against the glass. <laughs> a different cheek. A different. Oh, okay, okay. The other. The other cheeks. Yeah. And we, as we're watching, there was an interaction with a male up there on the skylights. So we're 
we're up there we're watching and I'm calling she's calling the manager's calling security and maintenance to get up there and uh, we were worried they were going to come through so we had people waiting and we have them going up there to get them off the skylight but uh, yeah that was an interesting uh yeah. cheek on glass yes <laughs> well you know I've had I've had birds fly into windows and leave an imprint on the glass before <laughs> which are often quite interesting I might add I can only imagine what that uh that, the aftermath of that was. Yeah, I had a few uh, little nude encounters that are just, that one was probably the most amazing one, I would say, because well, we were concerned about it coming through the glass. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. I, 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 have, I have contractors right now that will refuse to go across the skylight to fix the one that's after that one, and they're all yeah. up there leaning against it like it's no big deal, <laughs> like having, a, <laughs> having a grand old time. <laughs> well, yeah. it was a safety check. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, were just yeah, making sure that it was. They were just making sure. You know, uh, I think uh, uh, not not as funny, but I and we don't have to say mall names on this, but I think you've had some experience with storms and stuff really wreaking havoc on those skylights, haven't you? Yes, we have. Yes, More recently. Yeah. yeah. With yeah, that's yeah. She's uh, dealing with that right now and roofing damage. Ooh. It's uh, well, you know, storms can be uh, very hazardous. Not just for the individuals, but property. Yeah, there was a well hail. There was a there was a, ahead, there was a mall in Colorado that I remember. Uh, um, I think my I think the mall that I eventually was at, they were putting on a brand new anchor at the time, so they had it demoed, and they had a, a pony wall up, you know, in front of demo, a, you know, demising wall, basically to keep that whole double level entry blocked off. And there was this storm that came through, and it had such a pressure difference that it blew the wall open. And then it just, you know, pushed all this water into the mall. Like I think, like two thirds of the court back into the into the into the strip center or into the to the hallway. And then uh, there was another center, maybe like 15 miles to the north along 70. That uh, that one had a, enough enough hail damage that it uh, it actually ripped through the roof and the skylights. And I think that mall was closed for like 18 months or 12 months, while they mm. literally had to go back and rebuild the roofing system over pretty much the entire center. Yeah. Well, Jerry's had to deal with the ratio a couple of years ago as well with, with that uh, straight wind. So Oof. I had a mall where they were adding an anchor. They had the wall built and uh, we used to cut holes into the wall so people could see the construction going on the other side, just put a, a plexiglass. We actually called them off, off, uh, we 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 had a sign up, you know, watch progress or something like that, and then we jokingly referred to it as a, a butt crack window, so you could see the workers out there working on the other side. Not at all like what your butt crack story was, but that's a, <laughs> another story. But uh, uh, security, when this the storm came through with some straight winds and that wall started moving, and security actually pulled people away before that wall collapsed. Mm. And uh, when it collapsed, all the dust and dirt. I mean, it was like a giant vacuum being sucked into the mall. Uh, we weren't closed except for that day, but oh, it was a mess. And you know, very thankful that no one got hurt. And that's why it's called negative pressure. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We keep the mall at positive pressure for a reason. Jerry, Jerry, yeah. uh, Jerry J. Uh, you know what? With with all your different malls, especially like being down in New Orleans and California, you've you must have encountered your fair share of panhandlers. Have you have you had have you had an example with those? Because I've got a couple of stories on those too. 
Yeah, I used to call a panhandler paradise because we would, they, it's always the same ones. And then in some cases, like down in Florida, we were figuring that they were averaging well over 10 bucks an hour to do, <laughs> just stand there with a sign. And the, in a couple of cases, we would watch the college students because it was university town, pull up in their nice fancy vehicles, get on the bus, go to this college, come back, get off the bus, change their shirt, get their sign out and be out there with a sign panhand. Oh, had, wow. Uh, oh, wow. I, yeah. Another time I had a female that was next to uh, one of the restaurants before it opened and she was panhandling and I approached her and asked her to leave. She told me off, walked out in front of me, raised her skirt up, she had no panties on, groped herself, and then uh, uh, started telling me off again and then marked her territory as she left the property. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing she didn't really want to leave, huh? Yeah. <laughs> And the, you know, some of the ones, and I ha I see it here in Davenport or in the Quad Cities, and I know that uh, Jerry's seen it too, where they're playing instruments out on the parking lot. Oh, yeah, a little more boosting, a, yeah, or busking, whatever they call it, yeah. Yeah, so I had a, an occasion down in uh, Florida where a couple of them were out there, and they had a, a group of people watching them, throwing money at them. And I said, they're not playing that instrument. So I go up and show them. I go up there and start talking to people. The individual, he lays down his violin, and it's still playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's just a really good speaker sitting right underneath him, just playing. Yeah. And that's probably awesome. the one of the interesting one was I had a gentleman that for about a couple months that I'd seen once a week, he'd approach me, not remember me. And unfortunately telling me his daughter, he'd point over across the street that his vehicle stranded over there because he needs gas. His daughter was in an automobile accident in intensive care and he needed to see her. This went on for about 12 different times. And finally I said, how many lives does your daughter have? And he found I mean, it was the same story. Yeah, just just on on repeat. Had had planned yeah. it and done it. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I I remember one time, and and this is probably somewhat embarrassing because you guys know my dad, but uh, but my my dad had come to visit me for lunch or something. I think he was traveling in through his for a different company thing, and so I he had come to get me for lunch. And they, we get to my mom office. We came out the back door, and I'm walking out to the car, and like. Some panhandlers coming across, and they're going, "Hey, want to buy my CDs? I'm a, I'm a up and coming future rap star." And I'm like, "Hey, you know." And I was being super nice because I was young in my career, and my dad was old in his career, so pa patience level was different. And so I'm going like, "Hey, uh, you can't sell that here. Thank you for trying. You know, I need you to leave my property. I'm the mall manager. I need you to leave." And he's getting chippy, and all of a sudden, my dad's like, "He's the mall manager. Get off our property right now!" Before somebody comes, to, I was like, "Oh, is that how you're supposed to handle that?" Like, thanks, Dad. Like, I'm like, I'm like, absolutely. You know, I'm like, I'm like 28, trying to be real nice, and he's like, mm -mm, "We're done. I don't have any time for this. Get off my property." Like, it's like, oh, okay. And so, so even though it wasn't his property, I'm like, oh well. Now I now I know how to handle panhandling. Who knew? So, <laughs> well, it's a. Uh, it was nice that it was your dad because I had a property one time that uh, whenever the president of the company was coming out that way, inevitably, the day before or two days before something would happen, there'd be a windstorm and there'd be you know, damage around the property. And uh, there was one time where we'd had some electrical problems and the, a bunch of the parking lot lights were out. And so every time he came there. It looked like, you know, I was just, you know, twiddling my thumbs there and never, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't stuff that I didn't know about. Uh, you know, normally when your boss, boss comes, you don't point out all the things that are wrong, but uh, sometimes it's really obvious that, you know, it, it just sounded like an excuse. 
but the, there were three times in over about a two year period where it was like, yeah, when he's coming to town, I didn't know that something horrible was going to happen and it was going to, it was going to, it was going to bode poorly for me. So uh, <laughs> explains, it, it happens. Explains a lot. Explains a lot. So Miss Jerry, any cut, Miss Jerry, oh, Miss Jerry, do you have any, uh, what's been your experience with, um, What's been like your most surprising overnight phone call you've ever gotten? I've always wondered because every ops manager gets called at about 2 a.m. So I just wondered if you had some – what was your favorite overnight surprise? Oh, well, uh, recently, within the last um, year, this this all happened last year, we've been getting um, vandalized our rooftop units. Oh wow! And yeah, so that's not, the... not necessarily an overnight experience, but me overnight because I can't sleep thinking that I'm going to get up the next day and I'm going to have more units vandalized. So what happened is the they accessed our roof by whatever way, um, throwing a ladder up quickly, getting up on the roof. But we ended up having thirteen rooftop units. Um, the vandals cut the coils out. Stole the oh, coils wow. and drug them across the roof, scrapped them, did whatever for money. Um, so for a couple months, like I went to extremes of, you know, trying to monitor the roof as much as I could as, as I mean, like not sleeping, thinking that it's going to happen again. When is it going to happen again? I'm going to come back in and there's going to be more units vandalized. How am I going to heat and cool this mall? Very, very stressful time. I think that that's probably... Um, one of my worst experiences in the malls in the 24 years I've been in the malls, except for, um, the riots Oh yeah. and, and Jerry can talk about that. The riots, I actually went to the extreme of, um, boarding up every one of our main mall entrances. And then I had a local construction company deliver me those concrete barriers yeah. And I had, um, we rented a, a lull so we could sit after the mall closed every night we would go in and we would sit these concrete barriers at all of our entrances. So you couldn't even drive on our property. Oh, wow. Wow. That's a, that's incredibly extreme. Yeah. Well, uh, if we had, uh, and Don knows this cause we were on the phone with Anthony and, and myself during part of this, but at four o'clock in the morning, PD was, uh, air- figured there were over 800 people at North Park on the parking lot. Now, Jerry had had it boarded up. Uh, J.C. Penney's had the window, one wind, a door busted in, really nothing stolen. Von Marr, our other anchor, had a window busted in. But they were going scrambling everywhere to the point where the allied people were ready to quit because they were so nervous. And unfortunately, PD and Sheriff and everybody were going all over town because there were shootings all over town. So they were responding to those. South Park, we were fortunate to PD was able to uh, confine it because the, there's a moat around South Park <laughs> where they couldn't just <laughs> drive around. Your dad would know that. That's what I and, need. I, uh, need. I need a mall with a moat. That's what I need. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. So they were able to keep the areas blocked off to keep them off of it. But it was, uh, we ended up keeping North Park closed for four days just to play it safe until uh, Bill Dillard came on site and uh, called corporate and Corey. <laughs> let us reopen nice well i know i know in phoenix we uh man we had a couple of crazy ones but um but i i 
I was sitting there on the by the third night. I was like, "Come on!" I wanted eight hundred people to actually show up because I'm like, we were so fortified. Like, I wanted to see all the PD in action because uh, I think the first night or the first night after, we I think we had like eighty or a hundred police officers in the food court getting pizza and a debrief before they were going to go out and protect the area. And it was like, I mean, I was like, "Come on, try!" Because I just want to see you get failed, you know. But but uh, we even had some Humvees. There was a one of the best Twitter things I ever saw was a picture of. The mall with the Humvee at our entrance with one of those raptor claw protection pieces that the PD had put out. And, it, and like, the guy just tweeted, they've got the National Guard up in here. Don't you come here. Like, and, like, it was driving by. And it's like, well, that's, you know, I can't believe you, you moved the concrete barriers yourself every time. That's, that's incredible. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a Herculean effort, Jerry. That's awesome. Hey, I was you trying know. to protect my property as well as I could. You know, the, the world has changed so much because this social discourse was not really a thing. I mean, you'd have sometimes, you know, gangs of kids just running through and causing, you know, mischief and mayhem. But uh, unfortunately, over the last, you know, five, six years, we've actually seen them come in with, with destruction and, and looting being the, uh, the main goal. And that has resulted in so many changes in how we address security. Uh, it's it's resulted in uh, improved camera systems. It's in, it's uh, resulted in in uh, hardening the target. You know, like you said, with yeah. boarding up and then you know, uh, in some cases, it's been adding uh, other deterrents. Whether it's uh, you know coatings on the glass that make it more difficult to, to break, or just ways to make it more difficult to get inside. And uh, it, it's a shame that that's that's what it's come to. But as an industry, we've adapted to it, or they've adapted to it. Yeah. Keep forgetting I'm retired. But uh, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's, it's never changing. And, and, you know, what's funny is when you built these things, you built them to be, um, you know, user-friendly. And then over time, you just had to start thinking about ways to, to, to you know, what, what happens when and if. Uh, I, I remember one of the things that I was proud of, we used to have trouble with elevators all the time with people – uh, and it was it was contractors and stores that would damage them by putting too much on or trying to cram stuff on the elevators, mm. and they would damage the doors or you know they they they'd whack a wall, and uh, after a while we got smart and we realized if you can't stop them, uh, if you can't stop them from damaging the the elevator, you had to harden the target. So we start putting bollards out to where they couldn't get big loads on without unloading them and taking them off, or they couldn't get anything big enough that would you know be scraping both sides. And, uh, you know, there's, those are things that you learn through experience. And once you harden the target, our elevator cost went down as far as repairs. Yeah, so it's, but... uh, it's, it's, it's never ending. And it's a great time to talk about, uh, you know, the partnerships that, that uh, malls end up having with uh, security and their communities. Yeah. Because uh, usually these are major uh, income producers for the city. They're also a quality of life issue. And as such, you know, it behooves everyone to make it, uh, you know, help keep them all successful and safe. And we've had a lot of great partnerships over the years. And I'm sure it's going to continue into the future where you, uh, you know, you, they, they rely on that partnership and we rely on that partnership to keep shopping uh, viable. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's funny is, is you just get such a different, I mean, there's so many different things where you get the, the kids in, you get the teenagers, but you get contractors in. I remember I had a I had a mall where we were converting, uh, I don't know, I think it was an old ice rink or something into a department store or, or a sports store or whatever it was. And, um, and I remember 
a call coming across the radio because the contractors on the roof and they were doing hot work, which means they were, you know, up there with their blow torches and welders and they were doing something to carve out a piece, something. Anyway, they lit, you know, a little bit of the mall roof on fire. So it was, you know, a little bit of flames, security seeing it, they're calling it in. And my regional was down the office or down like a separate hallway. Uh, and he comes in, he goes, well, if I wanted the mall lit on fire, I have a whole different wing I want burnt down. This one's the good wing. And it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, dang. <laughs> like, so, yeah. So, so, you know, there's just fun stories with contractors on roofs. I mean, Jerry, do you, uh, Mr. Jerry, do you have any stories of uh, fun contractors when they're unattended on the roof like uh, like Miss like Miss Jerry had? Yeah, we were uh, – I was uh... – helping with a mall that was getting ready to open. It was a new construction or thing and the theater was already open. So one evening, you know, when you're going to these, when you're assisting to getting these malls open, you're usually there, you know, six o'clock in the morning till midnight. And we were out there with the GM and the security director and the ops manager deciding how we were going to stage parking with the grand opening of vacant on a field out there, the grass area. And all of a sudden we hear screaming and cussing and stuff. And we look up and there were some uh, contractors on the roof relieving themselves on the uh, theater pedestrians coming in. So when we get up there, they said that they had too much to drink and they needed to go. <laughs> hey, I just, well, that's was, who you I went on your going. roof. <laughs> yeah. Those, those who are drinking too much. Totally good. Yeah. There's, there's no edges to but, fall over. But here. you know what? If you think about it, that might have been a safety step on their part that if they accidentally did any hot work and anything caught fire. Well, that's uh, true. You know. out. Yeah, they, yeah. They, had, they had preloaded. It was like it was like priming the pump. You yeah. know? It was just that's what it was. That's it was priming it. the pump. Yeah. Was, that, that may have, you know, that would have been how I tried selling it. Right. It was a media disaster the next day. <laughs> yeah. Theater opens to ping parade. Like, okay, yeah. great. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you're just, you're just lining it up. Someone's like, I'm getting a daytime Emmy for this. I'm doing it. We're going to be good. I'm gonna get, get, get. There were four of them. Oh, well, I, I remember taking, you know, have you guys had any fun with the media? Uh, you know, like I remember taking a, you know, a course because one of the things that they try and teach us as mall managers is like, hey, media relations. One, media is not your friend. Two, they're not your friend. Three, they're not your friend. And there's like four, remember to breathe. Like, it's like you know, like, you know, and it's like, okay, so I got that. But, but I remember, I remember seeing a clip where, for whatever reason, the mall manager decided to defer or couldn't get to the media fast enough, and the poor security manager had gotten somehow gotten on camera. And it was just like, you know, and you could just see, like, the media is just going like, so, did you think it wasn't a good idea to turn the lights on tonight? <laughs> like, and it's like, uh, yeah, no, we, we wanted to turn the lights on. Um, we tried. And it's like, and it's just the poor guy's just sitting there. It's like, it's like, who, who let him get to the camera first? <laughs> like, like how, you know? And so we've had lots of years of cha changes in training, but I remember, I remember media just, you know, you ever, you ever had a chance where like, you're like, that's not what I said, but that's what you made it sound like I said. I, I think I remember one where they were trying to. We tried, you know, when they'd call and, and get some intel, you'd be like, all right, what's your angle on the story? What can we answer for you? What, give me the questions in advance, yada, yada, yada. And so then I got approvals and I got on the, I remember getting on the horn. And I think it was some small town. Like it was like, you know, probably Idaho or Colorado. I can't remember where I was at, but probably Idaho. And it was a small town. And I remember some sort of interview where 
um, they were they were calling because one of my department stores had. Uh, in fact, oh, I was I was new. I didn't even have like I was even I still had an A in front of my name. I was an assistant, you know. Like, and they called me, and I had been on the mall for like I don't know four weeks, six weeks, and this department store decided to announce that they were leaving. And someone at corporate had known that they were going to leave, but failed to tell everyone in the field that that was going to happen. So they call me up and they're like, here's the questions. And I'm like, uh, I can't comment on that. Uh, I can't comment on that. Uh, I can't comment on that. And I can't comment on that. So I was like, I've got nothing for you. Good luck. You know, anyway, I got quoted in the paper the next day. And it was my very first quote in a mall, representing a mall in a paper. And it said, David Moss does not know anything. <laughs> so okay. Great. Thank was that you. Last- was that last week? Actually, it was very recent. <laughs> very, very, very yeah, recent. Yeah. yeah. But it's just, you know, so I, I, so I wanted, uh, uh, Mr. Jerry or Don, do you, do you, uh, or even Jerry, if you've been had the unfortunate situation of talking to the media, have you guys had any uh, fun experiences with the media? I mean, I've had various different ones, especially, you know, they're wanting comments like, you know, if they're like the riots and you're, you know, or, you know, where they'll, or in the past where I've had a, fire on the property and you know you really not want to comment about it and i've had the case where they said that i didn't know what was going on you know because i wouldn't make specifics on what was happening and they said that i had no idea what was going on so oh yeah so they always they always frame it frame it that way how about you don you do you have any favorite media media interactions yeah there was one where we'd had a, a some kids had caused a problem at the mall and the they wanted to have a community meeting about it. And when we got to the community meeting, it was a good 30, 60 days after the event because we were still figuring out everything that had happened. And, and uh, they said something about, um, you know, what do you wish you'd done differently or, or something? Or why did it take so long? And I said, you know, knowing what I do now, I wish, you know, that you know maybe we should have had this meeting earlier. And that was what they made the story that he admitted that they should have talked earlier. <laughs> and it was just one second of a, of a conversation that went on for probably two, two and a half hours. And yet that's the one story they pick up. And in, in another story that I told on, uh, I've told before, uh, I opened the paper one day in a small town in North Carolina, and there was a quote of an answer from the mall manager answering a question about public restrooms in the mall. And, no one had ever called me. And when I called the newspaper, they said, oh, we've had that question before. And we talked to them all. And that was the answer they gave us. So we knew that was the answer. And it's like, oh. how do you know nothing's changed? <laughs> you know, so uh, everything old is new is it new again. So yeah, we just we just have frequently asked questions. The stuff we've already asked you, we just hold on to those. It's frequently asked questions. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll just keep playing the same answer. So if anything was to change, you'll just never know because we're going to still put the old one in. Oh, so, awesome. you know, when you think about it, though, as bad as that was, how bad is it now that uh, news is 24-7, 365 days a year, and everybody thinks everything's going to go out? And I think we've all probably dealt with issues of security or operational issues where what you think it is initially isn't what it is once you get all the pieces together and you find out all the background and, you know, it, it isn't uh, when you were talking about calls at night, you know, uh, you know, we've all probably had calls at night of, of things to do with security and, and issues. And I remember once I got a call saying, 
you know, there was a mob hit on the property and it's like, <laughs> really, you know, and I, you know, let me know what you hear more. And, and, you know, an hour call, I get a call back and go, well, there was a fire and there was a body in the trunk. And, and then, I mean, you get, and when it was all said and done and it's a sad story, but, uh, it was a, uh, mother daughter, uh, suicidal. And, and, uh, for some reason they decided yeah. to end their life there at the mall. But I mean, that story had gone, it, it was tragic <laughs> no matter rails. how you look at it. <laughs> But it had gone, you know, 360 from what actually happened. And, uh, you, you know, it's when every all things aren't known instantaneously, not as fast as as media can. True. You know, with Twitter and everything else, it, it's it's different. And uh, it's become more and more of a challenge. Um, and and I'm, I'm afraid the challenge is not going to go away. We had a friend when we lived in Virginia who uh, was a producer and and she talked about the challenges they had to fill 24 hours a day worth of news and finding experts to talk about things and you know there's i think we've all probably seen some things you're going really that's the most qualified person they could find to talk about it not saying that i would do any better but you know if you just raise your hand and say yes i i'm an expert on that you know next thing you know they're on the air and they're going huh so no that's that's totally true it's totally true it's it's amazing. Well, Jer, Jer uh, go ahead, go ahead, Don. What, what else you got? Well, I was just going to go from an operational standpoint. Uh, you know, you you built out stores and you've had tenants, and you know some contractors are pleasure to work with, and they get the rules, and others of them. Uh, I would have to imagine all of us can probably name four or five times where you had a contractor that was building out and not following the rules, and you're down there with everything from noise to damage in other spaces. And then one of the things that are so unique to malls is so many things rub above, run above the ceiling. And if there's a wire in the way, a lot of times new contractors will just eliminate it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, someone three doors down doesn't have uh, internet or, you know, their alarm system's been cut. Any stories out there from any of you guys? I would say, you mean, what you said, Don, it's pretty typical where you're always going down there to, you know, tell them to one, they shouldn't be doing it during mall hours, making that kind of noise or <laughs> they'll, um, I've had situations where they've just cut the power to the mall, you know, where they're oh, going to wow. disconnect the power. Um, uh, other times uh, I've had one time where they set fire to the space accidentally and we had to shut down the mall. So it is, it's, it's a challenge, with, and Jerry knows this. It's a challenge with uh, stores being built out in the in the mall, especially when it's an operating mall. And uh, it's, there's all kinds of challenges. You know, right now they'll, you know, internet in the mall, music in the mall, you know, lighting they can cut. But yeah, it's a well, it's a big challenge. Tie, tying into fire systems that are in place, or in some cases, because of the age of your mall, having to upgrade your entire fire system. But you've probably never had to do anything along those lines. Hmm. That was yeah, facetious right. on my part. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she can we're still that. dealing with that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you, you can understand why cities want to make sure that works well. And, you know, uh, codes change and, and technology changes. So as these malls are, some of these are approaching, you know, upwards of 50 years, or 30 years of age, you know, there's upgrades and systems that, that have to be changed to, to, to address that. Yeah, pipes checked, engineering, you know, make sure make sure things are up to snuff on it. 
Um, Miss Jerry, what's your what's your favorite? Uh, what was your what's been your favorite uh, snowstorm story? Do you have a snowstormer that just kicked your butt, or one that you kicked its butt? <laughs> oh, that's that's every snowstorm story. Oh. <laughs> I'm a I'm a professional snow removal uh, operations manager, so love it. I um I definitely deal with a lot of snow uh, challenges. Um, I don't really have a particular snow event, but, um, you know, every time there's snow, uh, Miss Jerry is in the plow truck plowing away. Um, I mostly, uh, run the contractors at South park. Um, my contractors that plow at North park are a little bit more, um, advanced. They, they know the property, uh, well, um, they don't have to be supervised as much. Um, South Park over the years, it's been a challenge to get a contractor that knows the property and um, knows, you know, so the life of snow removal in a mall is challenging in itself because you have, you have to know what time the tenants open. If you have out parcels, some of the out parcels open earlier than the mall actual does. You have to know what um, mall employees come in first. So you have to know what areas of the mall that need to be plowed and salted before the employees come in, before they arrive. Um, I actually get in the truck and make a a lap around um, the mall um, on the sidewalks. So I'm the only one that's allowed to do the sidewalks with the plow truck. Nice. Um, I let the contractors use um, like the equipment, the smaller equipment, but I actually will get up on the sidewalk with the truck and and plow those out and contractors never understand that you take the snow from the building and you push it out you don't start out in the middle of the parking lot and then we got a snow event that happens at 5 a.m there's no way we're going to get it done if it's a large snow event there's no way we're going to get it done by 10 a.m when we open and 8 a.m when the employees start coming in so they just can't sometimes they just can't get it. They don't understand. Let's, let's take the snow and push it away from the building. So at least when everybody starts to come in, the sidewalks are clear so they can get into the safe, the building safely. All of the slip and falls normally happen from curb in. True. And and, that's a, that's a challenging thing for me. That's a, that's a, that's a great point because you know, like it was always like when you'd hit that property with the plow truck, it was entrances, outering road, entering road, parking lot from entrance out. And it was, and it's exactly the point. It's like there's a very logical push through that you have to go through and you have to follow because it then, it then solidifies the day and the property and how the flow can go and how you can manage it. I mean, um, now I, I've hit my fair share of signs in a plow truck, so I'm probably a little worse with the driver, but, uh, <laughs> But but I always did love love I love the serenity of the plow truck. I think had I figured out how to do something only in the summer and plow only in the winter to make a good living, I'd probably have been really enjoyed a snow plow truck because I felt like there was a serenity of being in the falling snow with a wide open parking lot and just you pushing snow with your you know with your jacket open because the cab of the car is so hot that you you're like in shorts but it's negative 10 outside it's just i, I love it I, I think it's a serenity to to plow and i'm I, i've had a i've had a little bit of experience different or different experience than what jerry did where uh, we had them all one time in an area where there was a lot of snow and the contractors that we had 
it was like watching poetry in motion. I mean, these guys were on skid skiers and they knew how far they were going to slide, you know, when they were stopping and they're not going slowly, they're going fast and they're moving stuff. And you're just thinking they're going to take out that column or they're going to clip that corner of the building. But these were people that the rest of the year they worked construction and, you know, excavation. And when, when they were behind those machines, you know, one person could do what, you know, 10 normal people could do. And it was, it was just amazing to watch the precision at which, which they went with. And, and that's even on the big equipment, you know, when they get the, the graders out and stuff, when, when they know what they're doing and you've got the right person there, it's poetry in motion. And mm-hmm. you just sort of, I, I can get, I, I, I tried driving one once. And after I took a big chunk of my parking lot out because I didn't have the blade uh, level, uh, that was the end of my uh, driving the, the greater and uh, uh but watching them do it was a lot of fun oh it's yeah, true jerry won't let me plow mm-hmm. yeah well no. that's that's probably that's probably it's a, a good it's a little it's bit one of, time uh, that yeah. you don't have to use your brakes very often that's true you get a ro- true. run around the parking lot and you just plow right into the snow piles and no brakes yeah you just let it go well i think you had a unique thing in one of your centers uh it's a concrete center and so that's different because when you catch it a corner of a broken concrete parking lot that's different than a corner of an asphalt hole and oh, that uh, hurts. Con- yeah, yeah con- con- concrete can be a little uh, a little tough sometimes so that's funny that's a full tilt well so i guess maybe we'll call this episode poetry in motion because i think that's that sounds pretty good but uh um, well, Jerry and Jerry, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I think it's fun to get to reminisce a little bit with some old faithfuls that, that know the industry, grown up in it, and have seen the changes. Um, so I just want to say thank you to each of you for joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting us. Well, yeah, same here, guys. Uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure working with you, and uh, glad to see that you guys are doing so well, and you keep moving forward with it. Uh, believe it or not, I, I miss it. Those a couple things we were hitting on today. I'm thinking, yeah, I don't have to worry about that anymore. And I get very very few calls at two o'clock in the morning now. And, <laughs> yeah, but uh, you do. I I, I sort of like that. No no offense, but uh, <laughs> I, I want to end with one thing. And I think this may be me searching for a compliment on myself. But uh, there was a time with, because of tight budgets, we were very limited what we could do for landscaping, and. Uh, you guys got compliments one time from somebody. I, I don't remember the whole story, but I think, uh, Jerry, you may have gone out and just put wildflower seeds out. Ooh, what'd you, what'd you, yes, what'd you do? Did. What'd yeah. you do, Jerry? And what'd you, do? you had people talking about how beautiful it was or how nice it was. And this was, you know, packages of, of, of uh, seeds that we put out that didn't cost you. I mean, you probably $6. spent less than 20. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Six dollars. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a hard life being a shrub or a tree at a mall because there's just a lot of bad things that happen to you. But for $6, you actually got a compliment on it for, uh, you know, just the color it brought. So uh, there, there's always there's there's a lot of ways to approach things. And and some of you have had to, by the necessity of the situation, learned how to do it, you know, as economically as possible and still have great results. And that's a, that's a tribute to you all. Well, thank That's you. All. Good. Yeah, thank you guys for <laughs> thank you guys again for joining us and uh, and whether it's uh, bootstrapping the flowers or butt cheeking against the the skylights, we just <laughs> we just love the mall business. So it's totally great. Very good. Well, uh, thank you again. All right. And uh, thank you to all our listeners out there. And we're uh, we're excited to do it. So uh, keep up the faith and keep enjoying the American Mall. And we'll uh, we'll catch you next time.